sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologist set tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about all kinds of things related to romance novels and the people who write them and read them. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on a lovely Thursday, April 27th, 2023. Uh, how's it going, Trisha? I am well. I have to say, like, we're finally getting a little bit of sun here in the Northwest. It's, you know, took a few months. And it's still cold. But I, ugh, I'm sure a lot of you are like this. I don't know if you are like this too, Jess. It makes such a difference mm-hmm. to actually have, be able to see the sun mm-hmm. instead of just having, like, daylight that you can sort of see through the misty rain. Yes. I just, I feel a thousand times better just actually remembering that the sun does in fact exist and that someday it might come out for more than one days in a row. My fingers are crossed for you. I wish I could send you some of my sunshine just to get rid of it. I was going to say, how are things you guys might have an overabundance? <laughs> <laughs> That's not as generous as it sounds on initial uh, initial offer. <laughs> yeah. How are things going down there? How are you, Jazz? Uh, pretty good. It is getting warm very fast. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to have much of a spring. But the bird's nest that I discovered used to be outside of my window where we're recording has been vacated. So if you were enjoying the bird song for every episode of this podcast a while ago, I'm sorry. But it's nice for everyone who wasn't. <laughs> Uh, this is like a little traumatizing for me. Like it's long term, like the birds are fully gone. Well, when I say outside of my window, I mean like three feet away. There is another bird's nest around the corner on top of my HVAC unit that I think that family just moved to. So, okay, the birds are okay. So we're not worried about the birds. Okay, good. (laughs) They just like, they enjoy moving. They've relocated. They're modern birds. (laughs) I get that. I get that. Okay, okay. Now I'm feeling better about this. Uh, It probably is probably good news for our wonderful audio editor, Jen. (laughs) A little traumatizing for me, and you seem to be handling it well. So I think we're we're all doing okay here in, uh, in late April, early May. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get by anyway. We will. Speaking of doing well, as we often do, Jess, do you want to start by telling me a little about what you're reading? Well, speaking of birdsong, I am currently listening to Something Wild and Wonderful by Anita Kelly, which doesn't have any actual birdsong in it. Like, there there aren't random moments of hearing birds, but the main character is really into birds, uh, which is why I said speaking of birdsong. And this is an interesting book, and I think we're going to be seeing a few more of those 
And we have been seeing more of those where almost the entire book takes place outside because everyone has just been like really wanting to be outside. Mm -hmm. And in this one, you have two guys who both for very different reasons are on the Pacific Crest Trail. They are Ah. working their way up from Southern California all the way to Canada. And it's very sweet and also, like, very intense because they both have, like, they're both on the trail sort of, sort of alone. Like, they, they meet up with different people or they intend to be alone or whatever. And they're, like, sort of working out personal crises and all of that stuff. And then they end up together doing the trail together because you really shouldn't do something like the PCT completely alone (laughs) and uh, yeah it's like Anita Kelly has an amazing writing style if you read her first full-length novel that I am blanking on I I, it doesn't matter you keep going I'll figure it out it's sort of connected like one of the main characters is friends with London from that book but it's not really like a series series. So you can definitely pick this one up on its own. And that book is Love and Other Disasters. Love and Other Disasters. For some reason, I went with my brain went with recipes because <laughs> Love and Other Recipes. It's a it's a baking I... book. So that's what I was going to say, like that actually would have also been a really good title. Yeah, well, Someone else used that one. But anyway, so it's, you know, (laughs) I'm listening to it and uh, the narrator is one whose work I've heard before. He's incredible at the narration and just sort of dividing the two characters. And it's just, I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to listening to more of it because I am doing a lot of listening recently and not as much... Eye reading. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good distinction. Eye reading versus ear reading. It's like reading. And it's like, but listening is... Re- uh, and we could talk about that some other time. But Trisha, <laughs> what are you reading? Thank you for asking, Jess. I just finished a book. I don't... You know this. I think a lot of folks who listen to the show know this. I don't generally read super far in advance unless I'm mm-hmm. really excited about a book. And I was really excited about Codename Charming by Lucy Parker. And I was having a bit of a reading slump. I was just getting like halfway through books that I thought I would like and not finishing them. Mm. Uh, I think Codename Charming has broken that reading slump for me. Thank goodness. I know. I'm so excited about it. And like, I do feel bad because this book isn't coming out until August 15th. (laughs) But I will say this, pre-order it now. It'll be like a fun surprise or put it on like hold in your library, whatever you need to do. It'll be like a fun surprise when it just shows up for you. And I will say my discovery of Lucy Parker has actually been really delightful for me because I tried to read a couple of the books in her last series and was Mm -hmm. not into them. And I have loved this series that she has now that is sort of based a little bit around, uh, well, on the periphery kind of of a royal family in England. Mm -hmm. Frankly, they're a little more likable than you might find (laughs) the current royal family. But this this book features um, the sister of one of the characters in the last book and a bodyguard who is protecting one of the members of the family. And one of the things that, that I I hope this isn't a spoiler. One of the things that I really liked about this book, you'll forget by the time it comes out anyway, <laughs> is that there wasn't a really 
dark, dark moment, Mm. which I really appreciate because I think a lot of times those feel really manufactured. And so even though there certainly is conflict, there certainly are things that the couple have to navigate and get over. I really loved this book and I am very excited about it. And frankly, I'll probably read it again when it comes out in August. But in the meantime, pre-order or TBR or get from your library, Codename Charming by Lucy Parker. Oh, well, and actually we're... that's all I will say, because uh, I think that this book and, and the series will be relevant to some of our later conversations. So I will stop for there. But I really liked it. And I'm so thankful to have my reading slump busted. I am happy for you about that as well. Why, thank you. All right, we talked for a minute. So before we go on any further, uh, let's take a quick pause and hear from a sponsor. Sometimes you just need to touch grass literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologist set tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. All right. So one thing that we do want to talk about before we jump into our romance agenda for the day is that Book Riot actually has a new podcast. It is called First Edition. BookRiot.com co-founder Jeff O'Neill, who you will have heard from if you listen to the OG Book Riot podcast, (laughs) is steering the ship behind First Edition, which is the name of the new podcast. Jeff is exploring the wide bookish world. The new podcast features interviews, lists, rankings, retrospectives, recommendations, and a lot more. And it's all featuring people who know and love books. You can subscribe on all of your pod, whatever you're listening to this podcast on, (laughs) just search First Edition and subscribe to that. You can tell that Jeff is really excited about this. And I think he would say that he is, they have been doing the Book Riot podcast now for, I think, almost 10 years. It's been Maybe a even a little longer. Yeah. And he and Rebecca, I think, have learned a lot in that time. Jeff has also been a driving force behind other podcasts like Annotated and has learned a lot. And I think he's taking everything he's learned from all of those experiences and really kind of putting it into this podcast. I would recommend subscribing it to it, even if you're like, I'm not sure that's for me. I think there's something for everyone, right? So like Mm -hmm. some of the early episodes are Kelly and Vanessa, two of our editors, digging into the legacy of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret by the great and good Judy Bloom. Jeff and Rebecca talking about whether or not they can figure out what the It book of April is going to be. And where they're like, like I mentioned earlier, they are interviewing experts. You can hear from people talking about, you know, fiction, talking about book lists, talking about all kinds of different things. So like I said, it's kind of the pinnacle in some ways of of a lot of work that has been done behind the scenes in terms of podcasting at Book Riot for the last several years. I'm really excited about it. And like I said, you're already listening to a podcast. Just go to your search bar, (laughs) download first edition, give it a shot. So there it is. Now we are getting into our full romance agenda for the day. Couple of updates. Jess, we talked a little bit about this before the show, but as you might recall, We talked about STEM careers that female main characters and main characters in general in romance had. You know who has uh, quite a list? Is our friend Jackie. Our friend Jackie. (laughs) Who sent us this like bananas list of like dozens of books that fit this sort of metric. There are like 
botanists, there are computer scientists, there are biomedical researchers, there is a lapidoturist, lapidoturist. It's a person who studies or collects butterflies or moths. Did I have to look it up? You (laughs) bet I did. But if you want to read the Veronica Speedwell series by Deanna Rayborn, now you know. I've done that work for you. You don't have to look it up. (laughs) I don't know. Is there anything that jumped out at you from this list, Jess? I think it's too long for us to read everything. There, there's so much, but the the word that jumped out to me because I have never put those two prefixes together before was psychophysiologist. So I'm going to have to read Emily Foster's How Not to Fall just because I want to know what a psychophysiologist does. <laughs> I think that's very fair. And I will say, like I said, we can't read the whole list. But if you want the whole list, email at bookriot.com and I will send it to you. Jackie, I will pull your information out of it unless you want me to leave it in, because we certainly want to credit you for this. But we also, you know, don't want to create a situation where you just have many, many fans bothering you all the time. So mm-hmm. if folks want the list, send me a note and we'll get it your way. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Jackie, uh, for giving us so many more things to read. Yes. Yeah, it is. I mean, no one's TBR is going to go bare at this point. No, not at all. We have another exciting announcement. Jess, do you want to do the honors? (laughs) That was weird. Drum roll. Imagine your own drum roll, everybody. Book club is back. So our second book club pick of second the of the year mm-hmm. of the year um is something that we're both excited to be reading we're going to be talking about it in june so you've got some time to put it on your whole list at the library or acquire it in your preferred way and that book is rules of engagement Written by Stacey Abrams who was then writing as Selena Montgomery there is a newer edition of it out that should be a little more easily accessible because it turns out this book was originally written in 2001. Mm -hmm. But it is a romantic suspense novel that has a bunch of the, the tick marks that I go for in a good book. And I am particularly excited about reading it. And I'm sure you are too, Trisha. Very much so. I have to confess that I have actually not read anything. I read Stacey Abrams' other book, but I didn't read – I haven't read fiction that she has written. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about this one. And I'm super interested, too, to see – you know, Jess, you made the point that this was originally published over two decades ago. And I will be really interested to think about – I think it's always fantastic and fascinating to read books – that are that old because it feels to me like romance has changed so much in the last five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we read Vivid by Beverly Jenkins, I think is before now. Well, and actually even that one I think is a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And that one held up in not always. (laughs) There were definitely some ways for it. There's, you know, (laughs) some things that might have been written differently in the the late 2010s. Yeah. But I'll be really interested to see kind of how this one reads. Yeah, same. Absolutely same. Um, and I'm curious, uh, like, I don't, I, I don't know if she made any changes, because there is like a technology thing going on in the book. And I, I don't know if she like, updated it to be a little more of the present, or if she just left it as it is. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. And I hope you all will join us 
We are going to be talking about it on June 22nd for the episode that airs on June 26th. Um, so like I said, you have plenty of time to get it in your hands um, so, you, so we can talk about it. Yeah, I feel like we can have a really interesting conversation about when something becomes historical fiction. Yeah, right? Right. right. Yeah. So stay tuned, everybody. Ooh. Go get that book, read it, and we will talk more about it. Absolutely. And the other thing we wanted to talk about in this segment, Jess, is something that we didn't quite get to last time, but that you had flagged had been part of an interesting discourse on Twitter, but I think also is just kind of a, you know, idea that's bouncing around fiction, contemporary fiction, romance right now, mm -hmm. which is, when is a book a rom-com? And when is it just, a, not just, but like, when is it a contemporary romance that is maybe being marketed as a rom-com? Right. And I don't know if you have kind of observations from what you may have seen in some of that discourse that, that really resonated with you. Is there anything that kind of, any place you'd want to start? Well, okay, so... When I started reading trade paperback romances, probably in the early 2010s, actually, there were contemporary romances. There were books that were funny. There were books that were darker. There were books that were angsty. There were books that were fluffy. But they all fell under the contemporary romance umbrella. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in the past five years in particular, especially as trade paperbacks have been expanding and sort of collapsing almost as a style, everything is a rom-com. And I know that's not, it, that's not true because there are places where we see people not referring to their books as rom-coms, like... Kennedy Ryan is never going to talk about her book as a rom-com. Mm -hmm. But there are mm -hmm. there are all of these books sort of in the middle that people are referring to as rom-coms, even though, yes, there are some ha-ha funny moments. They're really, like you said, just contemporary romance. They, they don't have the structure of there's as much comedy as romance in the book. Like, I think when we talked about written in the stars, that was presented as mm -hmm. a rom-com. And maybe it was just the fact that I didn't see it structured that way, even if the author intended to write it as such. But I would have just called that a straight contemporary romance. There mm -hmm. wasn't enough com for the rom for it to be a rom-com. Um, and I think that there are mm -hmm. a lot of books sitting in that middle space that are being marketed as rom-coms because that's the catchphrase when they should just be called contemporary romances, because that's what they are. They're romances set in our contemporary day that might have funny moments, but they're not comedies. Yeah, and I think it does a disservice, you know, a lot of times to the book. I think mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking of Recipe for Persuasion, which I talked about at last episode, maybe two episodes ago, mm -hmm. by Sonali Dev. And I can't remember if it was before or after I talked about it, but I had looked at it you know, you look at Goodreads to make sure you remember the characters' names and all that stuff. Yeah. And that book has some very low ratings, and most of them mention the fact that the book was marketed as a romantic comedy, and it was not, which it is not. Like, there certainly sure. are some funny <laughs> – there's clever writing. Slaydev is, you know, has can stick some jokes in her books. That's great. But there is a tremendous amount of trauma mm -hmm. in that book. And 
I'm not saying that a rom-com can't have trauma, can't have difficult moments or difficult plot lines. But I think if you were a person who picked that up, thinking that it was going to be a light, frothy rom-com, then you definitely didn't get what you were looking for. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a great contemporary romance, you're not rating it as a contemporary romance, you're rating it as a rom-com. So, you know, I think... I it, I almost, I kind of wonder why the marketing is this way. And I think it is, you know, it may have something to do with the fact that romance, I think at this point, is largely where romantic comedy exists mm-hmm. in our sort of culture and entertainment world right now. The kinds of, certainly there are some films out there, mostly streaming, but some in theaters, like they're, they, they're around. But if mm-hmm. you think about what the landscape looked like 20, 25 years ago, you know, all of those movies that you would name, if somebody said name a rom-com, there's a good chance that movie came out sometime between 1990 and 2005. Yes. You know, like, not exclusively. That's not the only time. But that's when you get, like, Sleepless in Seattle, 10 Things I Hate About You. While You Were Sleeping. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. While You Were Sleeping. Yes, absolutely. Like, there's just all of these, you know, you've got mail. Like, you could sit here and name all of them forever, but that wouldn't be a very interesting podcast. But... (laughs) But that's not what it looks like right now in terms of film. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of we shifted into sort of this superhero world and there's less space for that kind of a film. And so people who are interested in those stories, I think oftentimes are going to fiction. I wonder too, Jess, and I'd be interested in what you think about this. I sometimes wonder if people who don't think of themselves as romance readers do think of themselves as rom-com readers Mm. because they think of it sort of as a genre that sits separate from romance. And I wonder if that has something to do with the marketing. Do you think I'm completely off base? I don't because it's also sort of something that the new crop of writers have also taken up like they they specifically Mm -hmm. came into the genre to write rom-coms and they don't group them in with overarching romance not all of them i'm i'm not you know you know what i mean Mm -hmm. nuance um but yeah (laughs) but i think a lot of that has to do with the marketing especially of recent books because there's been this call for for romantic comedy and interestingly enough there's romantic comedy which is Mm -hmm. all of those movies you were talking about and there's Mm rom-com which is everything that's coming out now and in my mind i don't think of the older stuff as rom-coms like they are that's interesting they are full word romantic comedies and that's a whole nother thing. Also, we're definitely going to have have to talk about how superhero movies are the new rom-com, which I think we've actually talked about before. Um, we've definitely but, talked about it on like Slack. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but we'll flag that one for next time. <laughs> but yeah, so there's, there's something about the terminology and the connections with new readers and writers with rom-com versus contemporary romance. I am so interested in this distinction that you are making between romantic comedy and rom-com. And I, as you are saying it, I think it makes sense to me. But can you say a little, is it just like a timing thing? Is it that like 20 years ago, it was a romantic comedy because, and now it, just because it was it sort of is like a time and a genre that lives in its own 
existence. I know that doesn't make any sense. Just stick with me. <laughs> or is it is it that there is a different structure or kind of I don't know. Like I'm interested in what is it that the the medium was different? It, like you know, film as opposed to books. I'm curious mm-hmm. if you can say a little more about that. I think part of it is just the the way that we talk about them. I always think of those movies as full word romantic comedies. Like even during mm-hmm. the rom com bracket, like I wasn't thinking of those as rom coms. They like new modern mm-hmm. books are rom coms. Even new modern film mm-hmm. is occasionally rom com, but those are romantic comedies because the romantic is the I took English far too long ago and I cannot remember the modifier I guess mm-hmm. the, like these movies are yeah. comedies with a romantic element so they are romantic comedies yeah that's really interesting because you know what I wonder too as you know we're thinking and talking this through mm-hmm. I also think that the books that were in existence at that time that were kind of playing that role they also weren't being referred to as romantic comedies or rom-coms. They were called, and I hate this term, I can't believe I have to say it out loud, chiclet. Chiclet. Right? Like <laughs> the nanny yep. diaries and uh, even Bridget Jones's diary to some extent, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Devil Wears Prada and the Sophie Kinsella books, and uh, which I think were the shopaholic ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like to me, those were often the kinds of books that now we would be describing as rom-coms, mm-hmm. but they weren't called that. They were called chiclet, which again, I hate. I just hate it. But that's what, I mean, that's the term that was used, right? I mean. Yeah. So do you think that that is what what all of these rom-coms that we're seeing now are replacing? Because there is like, and there's your other most hated term, women's fiction, but yeah. that is that is not what Chicklet was either, right? So, right. like a lot of the stuff that we're seeing that is like rom com style is a little more on the Chicklet contemporary mm-hmm. fiction corner than a contemporary romance. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's a really good point that, again, you know, with the disclaimer that we hate the term, uh, <laughs> women's fiction, and we might just be the royal we, um, but women's <laughs> fiction almost seems to me like it is more, like, if we're doing that SAT thing, you know, early 2000s chiclet is to 2023 rom-com as early 2000s women's fiction is often, not exclusively, but to 2023 contemporary romance, mm. right? I think... One of the distinctions with women's fiction is that it doesn't always center a romantic relationship and there is not always, although an awful lot of the time, there is a happy ever after for a couple. But I do, it is interesting to think about how some of this terminology has changed. And I wonder, aside from the fact that I hate it, how the term (laughs) chiclet kind of fell out of favor, Mm -hmm. you know, because I have always thought of chiclet as being different from women's fiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think... Because I th- I think of women's fiction as, like, the other side of Sophie Kinsella, right? The, uh, mm-hmm. what is her name? Madeline Wickham. Like, the more serious, gotta get my stuff together, gotta get over my grief for my lost husband. Like, mm-hmm. in women's fiction, it's not fun, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's why they turned animal husbandry into something like you or someone like someone like you. Animal husbandry didn't have a happy ending and wasn't nearly as funny as someone like you. But that is like 
Sorry, I just went total 2002 on y'all. My apologies. (laughs) We're here for it. Well, and I also think one of the distinctions between chiclet and women's fiction is that the characters are about 15 years older. Mm -hmm. Right? I think Leanne Moriarty often was classified as women's fiction, not because her books weren't funny and not because they weren't kind of zany in the same way as some of that chiclet was, but because she was often writing about characters in their 40s as mm-hmm. opposed to characters in their 20s. Even Beverly Jenkins, Bring on the Blessings. Oh, the the Blessing series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would call that contemporary fiction now, but it's definitely like under that women's fiction umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think it's interesting the way that these terms evolve it's interesting the way that them evolving is a result of the way that they're being marketed i'd be Mm -hmm. so interested to hear what all of you think about how some of this came to be right how did romantic comedies become rom-coms how did contemporary romance become all (laughs) rom-coms regardless of how many tragedies might occur Mm -hmm. how did we shift kind of into some of this terminology and is this kind of you know I don't know, metric of of how Jess and I are talking about it. Would you agree? Do you disagree? I don't know. I, I'd be really, really interested. We always say this and we always are interested, but this is one where I think you and I are just kind of trying to poke at this a little bit and figure out what's going on. And mm-hmm. I'd be so interested to know what folks say. Same. Yeah. Tell us your thoughts. I think I've used the word interested at least 20 times in this podcast. So maybe I'll just <laughs> title this episode. Trisha is interested. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. All right. Anything else that you want to mention about that just before we, we take another break? Just because we've been sort of wandering around um, and I sort of came on a little aggressively at the beginning, I do want to let listeners know that I don't, I'm not holding you accountable for any any use of a term that I don't agree with. Like we we can all oh, we can sure. all do yeah. <laughs> like you do what you want. I'm not calling you out for it. I'm just really curious. One hundred percent. Yeah. No, and that's the thing. Like I do I will put some blame on marketers and publicists, which like this is their job. This is what they have mm-hmm. to do. I get that. And mm-hmm. also in the same way that I am always infuriated when they insist on referring to things as romantic or um, as women's fiction, it's like I said, it just does such a disservice to books and stuff when things are characterized wrong. But yeah, I'm 100% mm-hmm. with you that as readers, there's only so much we can do. You know, like yeah. we have to. And it's a little unfair. Yeah, another time when we have part two of this conversation after we get all of your all's input, we'll have to talk about kind of what covers and illustrated covers which we have talked about but how they have been a part of this shift as well yeah absolutely totally all right let's take a break and then uh maybe we recommend some books awesome okay jess uh given that you did apparently all of the heavy lifting with this week's agenda (laughs) you actually had what i thought was a fun idea for our recommendations this week kind of given our recommendations maybe a couple of weeks ago Yeah, I thought uh, since we were talking about what jobs we didn't see much and wanted to see more of last time, I thought we would talk about overrepresented jobs in romance. (laughs) Um, And instead of having a lengthy conversation about it, why not just offer some of our favorite 
of those overrepresented jobs. So if you don't know what you're looking for when you're going into this sea of billionaires or sea of dukes or whatever, maybe we can help you out. Perhaps we can. Um, And I will say, just as I was looking at the books that I want to talk about, I think it was really interesting to do this exercise because I thought a little bit about why is it that this particular book is jumping out at me as an example, right? So for example... I feel like we see a lot of chefs in romance. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of uh, people who who are who are doing that particular job. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking about that particular job, I was thinking about the book Wrong to Need You by Alicia Rye, which is the second in the Forbidden Hearts trilogy, I think is what it's called. I think and so. you can read it uh, as a standalone. I can't believe this book, I think, came out like six or seven years ago now. It's hard to imagine that that's the case. But I it's, I think the thing that I like, so there are two main characters. There, The male main character is Jackson, and he is a chef. And he is actually very, very famous, but people don't know actually who he is. So he's sort of secretly famous, which <laughs> doesn't sound like it makes sense. Read the book. It's it's worth it. But I, I can never get out of my head this like, very sexy scene where he is making grilled cheese for the other main character, Sadia. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that I really like about this book and about his role as a chef is that while it is an important part of who he is and the way that he has built that career for himself is an important part of what he does and the plot, there's so much else in this book and so many other kind of tropes and characteristics. You know, Sadia is a single mother the father of her child and her late husband it's actually jackson's brother which makes things a little complicated but there's also like a second chance element to this and it's just it felt like it feels to me sometimes like a an author will take one of these jobs you know like chef or billionaire or whatever and like make it that person's entire personality Mm -hmm. and make it kind of a foundational element of the book just the fact that they do this job and Alicia Rye doesn't do that in this book and I think that is one of the things that I really appreciated about it I don't know is there something that kind of is calling out to you about how some of these authors are handling this you know overrepresented job that you're talking about I think that's exactly that like and I you know I can't say that for everything but that whole like this is not their whole personality thing is, I think, probably the central thing that I love about Courtney Milan's Trade Me, which I listed as for the overrepresented job, tech bro billionaire. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and actually, Blake, the main character, while a tech bro himself, isn't actually the tech bro that owns the company that's his dad his dad the previous Mm -hmm. generation tech bro who you hate and love at the same time i gotta tell you he's one of my favorite non-central romantic characters in courtney milan's expanded universes Mm -hmm. and so trade me the setup is just like how is this even going to work and you think that there is going to be cheating, but, well, not like romantic cheating, but cheating in a deal, which is Blake, the main character, the tech bro billionaire, still wants to 
you know, go to school and Mm -hmm. earn his right to this technology company. And he is in a class with Tina and they're talking about something and she dares him to live her very, very, very much not a tech bro billionaire money life to see how he could handle it. And he's like, sure, let's trade. You live my, like, you you live in my house and I'll live in yours and I'll budget myself for the amount of money that you would make and you can spend all of mine. So it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. Who came up with this? So in an es- in essence, we are seeing his life from someone else's point of view because he is literally somewhere else. So maybe that's why I think this is a great representation of the billionaire because it's not mm-hmm. like the Crossfire series where he's up at 3 a.m., he's home at 2 a.m. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you never yeah. see him because all he's doing is going to meetings. <laughs> um, and yeah, until he meets that one special person. That one special person who he will kill for. <laughs> Yeah. Or or more even more dramatically, work only a 16-hour day for as opposed <laughs> to a 23-hour day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that's yeah, that's a great example. I think one of the other books that sprung to mind we we've talked before about all of the many athletes in romance. Mm-hmm. There are a shocking number of very athletic people with a very particular body type who for some reason have a real hard time finding Despite being wealthy and famous, can't can't seem to find love until until the books come around. But one of the things that I love about Ferrochan's The Dating Playbook is that this is a book where a football player, an NFL football player who is currently out of the NFL, I think due to an injury, mm-hmm. is trying to get back in. And I think there's a vulnerability to that that doesn't often exist with romance athletes right like sometimes they'll be vulnerable in that they want to win the world series but don't know if they can Mm -hmm. whereas this is you know like a 25 year old professional athlete who currently is boxed out of being a professional athlete Mm -hmm. and so he goes to um the other main character taylor who is a trainer and an influencer and sort of says hey i need your help can you help me get back into this and i just i think it is that vulnerability is is the word I keep coming back to. They both kind of are in a vulnerable position with their job. She's broke. She has these two friends who are like brilliant and wealthy and, you know, she could ask either of them for money. Side note, they are the other two female main characters in the other two books in the series. Uh, read the whole thing. It's great. <laughs> but like she wants to be able to pay her own way and she wants to be able to do her own thing and she wants to be able to build this life as a trainer and as an influencer and put that together for herself and he is kind of her road to being able to do it and it you know it shakes out to be this whole thing where he doesn't want people to know that he is trying to get back to the nfl and so she pretend dates him it's you know it is what it is (laughs) but i think that's a really interesting like spin on that athlete job or trope or whatever where yeah technically this guy's a professional athlete but he kind of isn't right now Mm -hmm. and that's where he's trying to go So that was another example that jumped out to me as being like a little different from what you might expect from. And that's, again, the Dating Playbook by Farrah Roshan. 
And I'm going to once again play off of one of your words used, and that is vulnerability, because there is a very different kind of vulnerability that happens in Battle Royal, not Royale. Royal, no E. Very different book. That's true. Um, Correct. <laughs> Battle Royal by Lucy Parker. That just made me fall in love with it. And there are so many bakers in romance. You think that the world was oh run God. on cupcakes. Like, seriously, I don't know. Like, If I ate a cupcake for everyone I read about, <laughs> Jess, I would have a real serious blood sugar problem. Like, yeah. It would be intense. Yeah. Absolutely. But so yeah, Battle Royal is not about one baker, but two. They are rivals of of a sort whose whose bakeries are directly across the street from each other. Um, Of course they are. Of course they are. Bakeries and romance are like Starbucks. You can't look, you can't turn around without seeing one. Um, and this is the book that Trisha mentioned is connected to Codename Charming, which she mentioned earlier. This is the first book in that series. And we are introduced to this royal family through the fact that someone in the royal family might be getting married and therefore might need a cake and therefore might need master bakers to compete for the role of the person making that cake. So dun, dun, dun. that's where we are here. And there's also a whole lot of other things going on in this book. Like uh, Sylvie, the main character, actually initially meets Dominic when Dominic is judging a baking show that Sylvie is on. And there's an incident with a unicorn cake. Um, and Sylvie is sure. no longer on the show, but then she's invited back to be a judge. So there's like, there's the reality TV thing going on. There's the royal wedding thing going on. And then there's some other stuff going on. Um, and in the middle, you have the two finally becoming vulnerable with each other, acknowledging their rivalry, but not battling inside of it, as it were. So um, I just absolutely adored this book. And it is an actual comedy. Now, there is yeah. there is some grief, like some serious mm-hmm. like grief, and there are some dark topics, but this book counts as an actual romantic comedy. A romantic comedy or a rom-com, Jess? This is a romantic comedy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting. I- <laughs> to be continued. We'll have to pick that part of the conversation up another time. <laughs> That's it's weird. I, Maybe in four I, months when Codename Charming comes out, we'll I come claim back to it. no rhyme or reason to my brain. <laughs> it does what it will. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, and the last book that I will mention is about a cowboy. You may have heard there are some cowboys in romance. But this book is a little different. It's Second Chance at Rancho Lindo. I think I talked about this book when I first read it, maybe earlier this year or late last year. Mm-hmm. And it is a family of cowboys. The book is by Sabrina Soul. It's small town California cowboys as opposed to like, I feel like you read a lot of those Montana mm-hmm. wild horses. The ranch is about to go under kind of mm-hmm. cowboy books. And this one's a little different. It's a... 
it's actually a secondary, fairly common career is a military career. And mm. Gabe, who is one of the main characters in this book, has just been recently honorably discharged from the military because of an injury. He didn't necessarily want to be back at home on the ranch. His, I believe, four brothers run the ranch with their dad. And Gabe, again, doesn't necessarily want to be there, but he doesn't really have another place to go right now. So there definitely is some trope action happening in this one. Also, it's a second chance romance because it turns out that a girl Gabe grew up with is now the horticulturist for the ranch. And, uh, you know, they maybe reconnect a little bit. Some sparks might fly. (laughs) But I think it's a, you know, like I said, it's not that it's entirely uncommon to have this kind of... I have been forced out of where I was going to be, and now I have to figure out how to be someplace else, and do I want to stay, and am I going to stay, and what are my family obligations? And I think all of that and all of those questions are things that tend to appeal to me, and I think tend I tend to find really interesting. But I also just thought it was interesting to have a different kind of cowboy as a part mm. of the picture. The next book in this series, I think, comes out November of this year, and I'm excited to read it just because it's, again, it's, yes, it's a ranching family, and also... This does not look like your Jennifer Ryan Montana ranching family. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm ready to ready to, to jump back in to the party at Rancho Lindo. Awesome. Well, the last not actually profession, not not particularly a job, but the last archetype, I guess, that is Ooh, good word heavily represented in romance is the alpha werewolf. And I deliberately yeah. wanted to say alpha werewolf because it seems like there there are no there are very few like just run of the mill pack members who are finding their mates. It's always the mm-hmm. alpha. Now, of course, it's not always the alpha because there are lots of people who are writing series and they can't just actually know. That's that's a lie because I think never anyway. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about Kate C. Wells and the Tyrant Alpha's rejected mate. This is not a book that I would have thought two months ago I would be talking about here on this here podcast. I consider myself so lucky that you are. <laughs> I read this book with a different group that I read books with and talk about. And I I had to like, call upon them 10, 15, 20% in to say, please convince me to keep reading this book. This man does not deserve her. And they said, keep going. So I kept going. Okay. And the grovel is perfection. Ooh. So nice. <laughs> this is a this is an alpha werewolf who even though we know that the concept of alphas and betas and all of that in actual wolves was just sort of created by people who were watching captivity trauma bonding or something um and that like natural sure. wolves don't actually have that kind of structure. It seems like the the alpha is often a tyrant. Like, there are so many very mm-hmm. angry alpha people. And the thing about Killian in this book, so this is a dual POV book, but we mm-hmm. are initially introduced to him through the female main character, Una. He really feels like a, a tyrant. 
I mean, there's a reason that his name, that the book's mm-hmm. called The Tyrant Alpha's Rejected Mate. But this is the alpha who does everything for his pack. Like, he talks about, like, energy efficiency. And... Oh, wow. <laughs> I, like, these things that's, like... That, that's, that most romantic concept, energy efficiency. Right? <laughs> He's like, he's like the mom friend. <laughs> like he would definitely uh-huh. be like, "Have you eaten today? You need to eat today." Uh-huh. But we don't really see that part of him because he's also a, a pretty angry fellow. So uh, I mostly wanted to talk about this one because it's in the forefront of my mind as far as werewolves go. But it's also a very different approach to werewolf culture. So. Like, it's in a universe where wolves aren't particularly, like, accepted into the fold, but they're not unknown and that kind of thing. So it's a little different from other people's werewolf books. Also, Casey Wills is just a magical writer. I am so glad that I read this book just to get into her head. Most of her books, I think, are about, like, motorcycle clubs. So I'll take the werewolves. Oh, interesting. (laughs) But, um... So yeah, the Tyrant Alpha's Rejected Mate. And I think the whole series is like the something something's rejected mate. And she plays with that in different ways too. Because another thing that the werewolves always seem to do is just be like, you're my mate and I'm not leaving your side until you accept it. Whereas this one is like, no, I don't have a mate. You couldn't possibly be my mate. So that's Mm -hmm. also something different. I mean, I don't think that there is a better place for us to end this week than on discussing a very different approach to werewolf culture <laughs> uh, and discussing it without even a drop of irony. So <laughs> I think uh, you've just summed up when in romance in, you know, one term. And uh, I'm proud of you. Proud I do of you, what Jess. I can. I do what I can. <laughs> So I think there are a lot of things that we want to hear from all of you about this week. We would love to hear, as always, just sort of what you're reading, what you're thinking about, but also what is happening with rom-coms and romantic comedies and chick lit and contemporary fiction is just wrong about what is a romantic comedy versus a rom-com? Or do you make that distinction? (laughs) Am I wrong about chick lit really not really existing anymore and now being called rom-coms? I don't Mm -hmm. know. We're just so fascinated. We just need to hear it. Mm -hmm. Also, if you want that list of STEM female main characters in romance, thanks again to Jackie. Uh, Send us a note at whenandromanceatbookriot.com. And let us know, too, what your favorite overrepresented jobs are. So there's all kinds of options. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, whenandromanceatbookriot.com is probably your best avenue. But you can also reach out to me on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. Or to me on Twitter at Jess is reading all one word on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading and on the clicky clock at Jess underscore is reading. And a huge thanks as always to our wonderful magical audio editor Jen Zink, who luckily this week doesn't have to edit out any bird noises, which is a sad, sad situation for some of us, but, (laughs) but you know birds are allowed to move it is what it is Um, please do rate and review the show it helps other folks find us jess what else anything else check out rules of engagement and start telling us your thoughts oh yeah and we'll talk about that in a couple months absolutely well i think that's it for us yep so have fun be safe and in the meantime happy reading